It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts. Don't forget to check out our corporate career boost recruiter, and even student memberships at cbock.com. This is Dr. Jeremy Lookaball. In addition to CBOC that you heard on the intro, you can also visit my website at turnboot.com. That's turnboot.com for everything IO, and especially to help you and your organization, those in your organization, master critical conversations and negotiation. With us today, we have Frank Gonzalez. Frank, we're going to have a good time today. How are you? Oh, and yes. tell us just a tad about you. Dr. Lucabal, well, thank you for the invite. I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well. Also, uh, a little bit about myself, you know, almost two decades, uh, a variety of roles, both as a contributor, as a positional leader in government, corporate, uh, freelancing, working. I would summate and culminate all of that by saying, I am a people enthusiast. I am also a father. I am a husband. And all of those things describe a little bit about me. And a lot of what I'm trying to accomplish uh, is actually contribute to the body of knowledge when it comes to leadership through the followership lens, actually. And hopefully we can dive and peel back some of those layers today. You know, uh, part of my dissertation and defense this coming fall uh, will be a lot about that individual uh, person personality, uh, a little bit about birth order, which is an interesting topic, but a lot about that relationship building. You know, I will tell you, uh, we often in leadership or leadership models really focus in on the outcomes. We focus in on motivation, influence, uh, and relationships are often talked about, but we often also skip over, you know, what's going on. How are we progressing in relationships? How are we stagnant in relationships? And uh, so hopefully we can peel back some of those things, deep dive. I'm looking forward to it. And soon to be Dr. Frank Gonzalez in in IO psychology, (laughs) of course, you you have this interesting research on on birth order. And for me, it's exciting because we're taking one of these, uh, something that's been studied for such a long time, and we're taking something that's not traditionally studied when we look at the workplace, birth order. But you've, you've seen, you found a niche area somewhere you can slide in there and say, okay, let's look at how this actually works with per- personality and you being a people enthusiast on how to strengthen relationships and help with communication. So to tell us about that. Gosh, good question. So in a perfect world, if you could manage a lot of things, understand just like everything else that I'm probably going to say, there are definitely going to be outliers. But actually for, you know, for your listeners, for our listeners today, you know, maybe get out some sort of digital pad, uh, traditional pen and paper or pencil and paper, something to maybe write this down. I will tell you in general, in general, there are two types of birth, birth order, right? So there's the psychological birth order where I can sit you down. We can talk this out. I can have you describe a little bit about, you know, the fluid of your family, how it actually came to your parents, maybe siblings, blended families, et cetera. But the other model is kind of just your order, 
right? And so when I talk about in generalities, again, there's going to be outliers. But in general, your firstborn tends to have a lot of conscientiousness, right? A lot of order, uh, a lot of modeled. And these are things that can be modeled, right? Whether it be your first six years and then in adolescence, there's some things that are happening, maybe 50% of your uh, personality is still being developed at adolescent and young adulthood. Um, but that's a lot, right? But there could be some really high levels of conscientiousness where to the point where you may actually sacrifice relationships. And we'll talk about relationships hopefully in, in a minute. And then in general, uh, if you're not a firstborn and not a lastborn, somewhere in the middle, you could be a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, et cetera, and even be a blended family, doesn't matter, but somewhere in the middle, those are really a high uh, agreeableness, your relationship kind of folks, right, that are, you know, managing conflict, maybe they, you know, I will use those air quotes and say the middle child uh, syndrome that they that they say exists, but honestly, you know, there's no research that really backs that up, and it's also something that's been. And then generally, your later borns or last born, your last born is highly extroverted, kind of risk uh, driven, but really, honestly, when it comes to the personality, is the kind of extroversion and also openness, curiosity, a huge one, right? And, and, and that could also just be a part of the environment, understand. The thing that I would like uh, for, for folks to really scribble down is the ocean model that's been used in personality going back for, for decades now. So actual ocean, right? Think about a huge ocean, O-C-E-A-N. Those are the things I want you to write down and think about, okay, so an ocean, as we kind of unpack some of these things, Ocean, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Neuroticism can also be uh, interplaced or synonymous with emotional stability as we kind of talk through those things. And we can also talk about what is actually most correlated with emergent and effective leadership as well. Yeah. And I can cut this out. I'll, I was having trouble unmuting my mic, no so I'm going to cut that out <laughs> and I'm going to go right into it. Uh, so that's not a problem. So Frank, you have this research model where you're looking at follower birth order order, and that you have control variables of your age, uh, education, ethnicity, gender, tenure. So how long someone's been with an organization, uh, tenure with leader and also handedness. And you're using that. One of your big interests is, is leader member exchange theory. So we're talking about, you know, you, um, relationship quality, loyalty, affect. So we have emotion in there, contribution, and also professional respect. So what you're looking at this research, what has, what, what's known already? Has anyone else uh, created such a model and researched it in terms of how there might be implications in the workplace with followers specifically? And then there's that age old question. I'm going to throw you, I'm going to do what I shouldn't do and give you two questions at once. Whoa. Uh, and then there's <laughs> that age old, does the follower make the leader or does the leader make the follower in terms of influence? So let's, let's tie that in, in, in a little bit. Love it. So what's already known and what's already been studied a lot is birth order and making a leap towards leadership styles. Okay, and I really want to emphasize the word style. So such as transformational leadership, maybe how authentic you are, et cetera, right? But what has not been studied is taking the leap from birth order and 
how the, the interesting thing about leader member exchange is it's the one leadership model that actually is one of the most practical is that as a person, how you develop relationships, whether you're a leader or follower is different with everyone, right? It is actually absolutely different with everyone. And also what's known is personality and leadership has also been studied, but from the followership and followership also has been studied. Gosh, it's been studied for so long. There, there are Kelly, there's, there's Kellerman, there's Riggio. There's so many uh, theorists that have talked about followership. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to mention is we're all followers, right? You know, I, I may have mentioned that before, but I want to emphasize we're all followers, whether it be in the home or whether it be in the workplace, we're all followers. Your, your leader, your manager, your positional leader is accountable to an executive. That executive is accountable to your CEO. Your CEO is accountable to the board and board is accountable to customers or shareholders, right? So everybody's a follower, but nobody has looked at all those three models in the followership lens. And so when you, you know, you talked about what's already known, uh, but the second question that you had is about is it the follower, is it the lead? Well, gosh, what is the common denominator between that is people. The question you really should be asking, or I would like to pose back on you is how do you develop relationships with others? We talk about, again, you know, the, the, the styles where I talked about the styles, how authentic you are, how uh, maybe how you serve others, servant leadership you know, the awareness and emotional intelligence and other kinds of models, those things change depending on the relationship quality that you have with someone and where you're trying to go and maybe the context around that. And so as you deep dive into the leader member exchange, one thing that I looked at, and there's so many measurements and models out there, is that I really looked at uh, Leiden and Maslin's model, right? And the reason I looked at that, there's a lot of measurements out there, but with 12 simple questions, you can actually look at small subsets of what's going on. And so you mentioned a little earlier in my research model is the professional respect. There's the contribution and I'm going from kind of base level up and I kind of will give you a little taste of that. And then, and then kind of follow up questions I'd love to hear, but the professional uh, respect, there's contribution, there is loyalty. And then there's this affect, right? Or affection relationship. Think about friend. That's our partner for my HR folks that are listening, right? So going back to the granule piece of it, if you think about your personality, maybe you don't even get to, you know, you're interviewing or you're a, an employee already or all these kinds of things that are going on, right? I mean, think about our relationship at home, but professional respect is much like just a perceived credential, maybe your resume, maybe the optics. When you talk about the control variable. In a perfect world, if you can control for every optic and every uh, control, uh, every kind of uh, additional besides your resume or besides what people might perceive, it's just your resume, right? It's just this, hmm, maybe you can perform a certain thing, right? That's your most granular level. Let's get into the next level, though. Let me try to get into that. If I can prove by my, my you know, work experiences, my credentials, you know, whatever my resume or paper, you know, I'm going to use air quotes and say, you know, that resume, what it says about you. And if I can get into this contribution, that's still a perceived uh, portion of it. That's very transactional, these two levels. And when I think about contribution, you know, think about just, you know, what can you actually contribute to this role, this overused, uh, what's your value add, right? What's going on with that? What I'm really trying to get to and help folks with is the prescribed behaviors of how do you actually get into loyalty? 
And I'll give you a quick question. And this is something that once again, you know, if you're listening in or, or looking in at the video cast, if we're able to do that is, is one thing besides the ocean piece of it and what describes you is would my leader, my positional leader speak up on my behalf, whether I was in the room or out of the room. How about the second question to that out of the room? If I wasn't there on a scale of one to five, one to seven, you can create your own scale, whatever you, know, you could digitize that, or you can actually use uh, paper, pen, pencil. What do you have confidence level that they would speak up on your behalf? If you were not in the room, if it's a low score, I'll tell you, you're still in that professional respect or that contribution. They respect who you are. They respect your work. They respect your presence, but they may not speak up on your behalf and get you into that loyalty uh, phase. And the last phase really is the, the affect. And I'll keep a real simple question. This is actually something that's measured in so many surveys and models out there, right? But it's hard to get to. I'll use a simple one like Gallup. Do I have a friend at work? And when you think about that, you can say a friend as a positional leader, a friend, maybe a coworker, colleague, someone in that organization or enterprise, someone in your family if you're at home. But what about just maybe even just the organization? Do you consider them a friend? What do you do with your friends, right? You go above and beyond. You stay later. It doesn't even feel like you're staying late. I'm talking with Dr. Lukabal right now. We've probably gone beyond the time that allocated and we're going to probably still go, right? Because it's almost a friendship, an affect, this emotional attachment. How do you get someone to consider them a friend? You got to get past these credential and transactional pieces. And so you're, ta you're right. talking about a lot of important things. You're talking about discretionary effort. You know, what people do with the leftover effort that they have that they don't necessarily have to spend with someone or have to spend with work. And you're also talking about loyalty. And along with that loyalty, you know, are you creating an advocate in your, in your boss? And will they go to bat for you? So I'm interested, and I think the listeners will be very are, are all very interested because birth order, that's something that, you know, people love psychology and everyone has some <laughs> birth order, whether they're an only child, middle child, last child, first child. So in terms of that birth order, what's the implication here? What's the suggestion? Is, is it moving more towards understanding one's own birth order and looking at that those implications and how they create relationships? Or is it stretching it farther and saying, uh, go, going into that area where uh, people in the workplace should be looking at other person's people's birth order and making assumptions there? Oh, gosh, there's a lot of questions. You promised that, you know, you weren't going to do this, but you, you created a few more questions within that question. I love it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll save this. One aha moment I had when kind of deep diving uh, into birth order just alone kind of the personality of it and how this then translates into the LMX model and specifically LMX MDM is that generally LMX being for, for our listeners leader member exchange. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Leader member exchange. And specifically the model that I, I was looking at is uh, uh, lighting and mass lens MDM, which is multidimensional measurement of, of LMX. So great model out there. It's in public domain, actually. The greatest things are in public domain. They took a lot of work for these folks, so which is why I want to amplify and elevate those theorists and those folks that really put in a lot of time and effort. In. But I will tell you, with birth order, the aha moment for me was that in general, if as you know, the extroversion piece of it, as you're kind of conversating with your leader or with your colleagues or with folks in your organization, if you tend to find folks with the same birth order, 
and how you perceive it. So the perception is a big one, right? Is understanding yourself. But if you're able to understand that and kind of just, you know, kind of dive into it just a little bit, just a little bit, you tend to form platonic relationships and very strong relationships with folks of similar birth order. I will tell you that, you know, that's something that's been attached with, with counseling and, and marriage and a number of other kinds of scopes. But how, you know, that's the question back with you and, and for listeners is that, you know, this could be something, a conversation piece, right? This could be a fun activity that you do in, a, in an employee meeting. Hey, what's everybody's birth order? Oh, wow, great. Well, and this is the follower understanding of where you are maybe in the relationship with folks, because gosh, you bring your birth order everywhere you go, right? It's part of you. It's, bef- it's before you got to that organization. It's a part of you while at the organization. And it's going to be there afterwards. This is actually how it ties into personality. So, you know, research will tell you that as far as personality, you know, you've got your kind of your, your genotype, right? Just like how you are, you know, how you were built over years. And then you've got kind of your phenotype. So there's kind of a biology piece of it, though, too. And you will generally react to your environment certain ways. But guess what? If something really tough happens, right, you generally go back to your genotype. And that's personality, though, too. So when you think about these things and, gosh, this leader of mine, this positional leader or, you know, this one colleague of mine, you know, gosh, we're having some relationship problems, might have different birth or may have different personality, right? And that's okay. That is certainly okay. That was the aha moment, I think, for me is generally folks with similar birth order form platonic relationships a certain way. And when I use that word platonic, it's very synonymous with affect, which is where you're trying to go, right? So maybe align yourself. And this is a tip. Maybe align. You you can kind of ask these questions. These are questions, I think, that we generally maybe have in, in, in the home life. That we can maybe bring into to the workplace. I'm not saying your talent acquisition, your recruiter has to say, hey, you know, as a part of your situation behavior outcome, what's your birth order? Not that, but once you're in the organization or once you're with family and friends and you're trying to get to that, it's just a little bit more understanding about yourself and how how that resonates with others. Okay. And that that provides a lot of clarification for the multiple, of course, questions that I asked. So in looking at birth order, you're 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 not suggesting because again, you know, we have our HR friends and we have our IO friends and then we have other leaders in the workplace. You're not suggesting that it be a, a part of any type of inter- interview process and used just to caution our viewers, not that we're not going that route, but it's more for kind of team activity, uh, for discovery, for even uh, like uh, I, I always say it's not team building, it's team valuing. So how can we learn more about each other to value others of our team members? And, you know, uh, as IOs, we walk that that fine line and there's a lot of organizations that are still even in recruiting that are saying, you know, what's the actual value of even, you know, scientifically valid with empirical data personality assessments to be used in selection and assessment. So there's even uh, there's still some pushback on that. So it's interesting because uh, there are, of course, these, these highly valid and highly reliable assessments that can be used for selection purposes. And then there's also other ones, you know, your smaller ones like your, your, your Briggs and your big five and your disc that really should only be used for professional, you know, low, what I call low stakes situations for professional development, for team building and team valuing and appreciation, and for those discovery types of applications. And that's where it, it can be exciting looking at birth order 
in the organization, it seems like, for those types of low stakes situations where you can start to get to know. It's a conversation piece. It's an interesting conversation piece to help people build those relationships. And more importantly, not just build relationships with people they already know, but it's an interesting conversation piece to walk up to you know, other company leaders, or if you're a little lower in the organization, to have a conversation with the higher ups. And if you're a higher up, by all means, please start to connect more with uh, those that are a little lower in the organization. And th- this is a good conversation piece that can be had. And nobody has to be an, an expert on birth order. It's just right. interesting psychological things that can lead to to conversation. Absolutely. I, absolutely. You, you nailed it uh, many a times uh, in, in that. And when you think about, again, um, that personality piece of it uh, that goes with birth order, you know, I, I said earlier to, you know, let me do the kind of the spiral effect here for, for listeners to make sure, you know, that you wrote down the ocean. Now let's put them in order though. So maybe your pattern personality is coming out and you're saying, well, okay, first, first born, I am pretty high in conscientiousness. Right. And maybe I'm in the middle born. I'm, I'm sort of agreeable. I can manage conflict. I'm a little bit more extroverted. Maybe I'm a much later born or, or, or last born. And, you know, and I will say that actually uh, only children and, and firstborn tend to have some of the same tendencies. So if you're an only child, I don't want to exclude any child there. But if you're a uh, last born, right, that openness and curiosity and maybe looking, look at those things. Let's look at back at ocean, the ocean. Now let's actually put them in order of leadership, kind of the variance or predictability on how you go from this transactional piece that I talked about on LMX and you actually go from being seen to expose or getting more exposure. And, and like you said, those conversation pieces, right? Because, hey, my, my leader or somebody at my organization is only looking at me a certain way. Well, that's transactional. They're only looking at you in that professional respect and maybe that contribution phase. How do I get into the friendship phase? Conversations, like you said, let's put them in order, the, the personality piece. Right. And what the research has shown time and time again, and actually there was a really great meta analysis for those that don't know what meta analysis, a study of studies and culminating a lot of studies together. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's got a lot of participants within it um, and still was valued as of 2020 uh, gen analysis on that personality over and over and over again. Well, number one, what's looked at as kind of an exposed or a highly effective emergent type leader is going to be your sense of extroversion, right? So it's a sense of warmth, extroversion, just folks that are okay with talking. And I don't want to excuse my extroverts or introverts, sorry. Um, You are still extroverted in many cases. It's just probably in a very small, smaller setting, right? Maybe a one-on-one intimate setting. You're still extroverted. You are, You, you know, you build relationships with folks, right? But, you know, extroversion is huge. Followed by the second one, if you can maybe think about it. And so as you're writing this down, you're like, Frank, just give it to me. No, no, no. Think about it for just a second. What do you think after you're talkative and you're kind of expressing your ideas and you're kind of using your thoughts and things, what's next? Conscientiousness, right? So putting things in order, processes, process management, maybe creating policies, things like that, right? And if you have a high sense of order, you can actually create some patterns where you can create some innovation even with that, which is then followed by after conscientiousness, openness, right? So openness, curiosity right? This is actually in order, right? 
interesting enough, what's in the, you would think, okay, so what's left if you're doing kind of the triage inside your, your notepad or something, what, what's left? Neuroticism and agreeableness. Well, Frank, it's got to be agreeableness. No, it's neuroticism. But having low neuroticism, meaning having high emotional stability. And often it was, I'm going to pick apart something you talked about, Dr. Lugabal, a little earlier about certain fun assessments that are out there. And I won't name names, but interesting enough that some of those uh, instruments that are out there do not test for neuroticism. Neuroticism is actually left off of that, the most popular ones out there. And which is why, yeah, for our folks that are listening in, for our HR folks and things like that, this is why it should not be used maybe on that, right? Those popular ones out there, because you think about as an emergent leader, as actual positional leaders, you get up there as a follower and you tend to rise, right? Gosh, what is it all about on leadership though, too, is being emotionally stable for others, right? Being that center point, right? How do you lead? You got to follow too, but being some sort of kind of consistent nuclear that's going on and on and on. That's actually number four. And the last one, actually, if you're doing that triage, right, is agreeableness. It's interesting enough that conflict agreeableness can be the folks that are very candor, but they're also very high relationship managers, right? And so you think about all these things and how they culminate into a job fit, how they culminate into a relationship management with your leader. It's what you're projecting. It's the conversations you're having, much like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And to give a little background in terms of the background work that you've uh, likely done, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, because we, we're, we're our IOs and then we get into our, our IO world. So you've taken, uh, looked at a couple of assessments, likely the big five, because that's what we're looking at with the ocean primarily. And you found research that says, look, birth order, there are some correlations with birth order and these, these particular scales with the, with the big five. So there, there, you found some, uh, the research that shows, yes, there is a statistically significant correlation between birth order and the tendency to be either high or low in any of these, uh, particular scales of, of, uh, for example, the big five, is that, is that, am I on the right track? On the right track. Absolutely. And then this, if you think about, if you culminate all this together and then think about it as just as a follower, think of yourself as a follower, before you start to say you want to lead, you want to get into these certain roles or, you know, you're looking at others and think about it yourself as a follower and think about how you build relationships with others. Right. And so absolutely, absolutely. A lot of it is about you. You know, they say there's no I in team, right? Very cliche, but I'll throw it out there. But right before you and I just engaging, I wrote down kind of a top 10 for our listeners, right? Our listeners. There is an eye in enthusiasm. There is an eye in inspiration. There is an eye in influence. There is an eye in idealized influence, which is much a lot transformational leadership. It's about your attributes and it's also about your behaviors. There's passion. There's relationship. Let's circle that one, right? Relationship, because that's really what we're talking about today is relationships and how you build relationship with others as a follower before you want to actually lead. There's an eye in reflection. There's an eye in self-efficacy. And that's also what we're talking about today. Followership and birth order. It's you. So do some reflection on yourself. There is public domains. If you actually were to search the international personality uh, pool, right? Uh, and one of the first ones that will come up, there's a lot of public domain type things. Now, they still have to leverage some, some folks like us to kind of digest a little bit of that. But there's some, some free domain things there, right? And besides self-efficacy, there's choices. 
you have a choice to kind of know a little bit about yourself though, too. You mentioned earlier about maybe this is a great kind of jump off point, you know, a team value that you talked about and maybe just getting to know each other a little bit more. This is also about making the choice for yourself to get to know yourself a little bit more and how you project yourself and relationship building with others. All right. And the last one is belonging. You know, in diversity, equity, inclusion, we talk about, you know, belonging, you talk about inclusion, there's eyes in those, but we talk about belonging, one of the highest correlated uh, belonging uh, when it goes to personality is actually openness, highly correlated with it, right? And curiosity and that. So those are the top 10 when you think about I, and, and really, I just want to kind of hone in on that though, too, because it's really about you as a follower, you're a follower by rank or behavior to someone else. Birth order is something you take along with you. Your personality is something you take along with you and how you build relationships. Gosh, just think about how you build a great relationship with someone else. And then think about that with your, your actual positional leaders or your ranked uh, leaders around you. And this could be something that you take apart uh, at home or at work. And as you mentioned, yes, like there's no I in team and to, to people with particular uh, personalities, there's no I in team, but there is me in team, which I always found fascinating, <laughs> fascinating response. Right, right. <laughs> Frank, how can people get in touch with you to uh, connect with you, A, and, and also if they're interested in your research, once it's published, get a hold of that research. How do they connect with you? Uh, absolutely. Well, LinkedIn is going to be your number one go-to. I actually public, um, have all my contact information there public. I am willing to serve, encourage, and just you know share do some little intellectual uh, download with anyone who is interested and hopefully with this research at some point will actually be in public domain for uh, individuals and even organizations to digest. Excellent. And for the listeners to get the correct Frank Gonzalez, if there are multiple Frank, you're uh, the name that you have up. It's Frank Gonzalez, the fourth. I am the fourth. Yes. Great grandfather. uh, (laughs) and look for uh the frank gonzalez the uh io industrial organizational psychology phd candidate um there you go thank you for listening until next time thanks for listening to this episode of work cookie a seabock podcast don't forget to sign up at seabock.com that's s-e-b-o-c.com to engage with our community Gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.